Section 15 of Curiosities of Literature, Volume 3. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Linda Marie Nielsen, Vancouver, B.C. Curiosities of Literature, Volume 3, by Isaac de Azraeli, of a biography painted. There are objects connected with literary curiosity, whose very history, though they may never gratify our sight, is literary, and the originality of their invention, should they excite imitation, may serve to constitute a class. I notice a book curiosity of this nature. This extraordinary volume may be said to have contained the travels and adventures of Charles Magnus, a noble Venetian, and this volume, so precious, consisted only of eighteen pages, composed of a series of high-finished miniature paintings on vellum, some executed by the hand of Paul Vernos. Each page, however, may be said to contain many chapters, for, generally, it is composed of a large centerpiece, surrounded by ten small ones, with many apt inscriptions, allegories, and allusions, the whole exhibiting romantic incidents in the life of this Venetian nobleman. It, but it is not merely as a beautiful production of art that we are to consider it. It becomes associated with a more elevated feeling in the occasion which produced it. The author, who is himself the hero, after having been long calumniated, resolved to set before the eyes of his accusers the sufferings and adventures he could perhaps have but indifferently described and instead of composing a tedious volume for his justification invented this new species of pictorial biography the author minutely described the remarkable situations in which fortune had placed him and the artist in embellishing the facts he furnished them with to record emulated each other in giving life to their truth and putting into action before the spectator incidents which the pen had less impressively exhibited this unique production may be considered as a model to represent the actions of those who may succeed more fortunately by this new mode of perpetrating their history discovering by the aid of the pencil rather than by their pen the forms and colors of an extraordinary life it was when the ottomans about fifteen seventy one attacked the isle of cyprus that this venetian nobleman was charged by his republic to review and repair the fortifications he was afterwards sent to the pope to negotiate an alliance he returned to the senate to give an account of his commission invested with the chief command at the head of his troops magnus threw himself into the island of cyprus and after a skilful defence 
which could not prevail its fall at farmagasta he was taken prisoner by the turks and made a slave his age and infirmities induced his master at length to sell him to some christian merchants and after an absence of several years from his beloved venice he suddenly appeared to the astonishment and mortification of a party who had never ceased to calumniate him while his own noble family were compelled to preserve an indignant silence having had no communications with their lost and enslaved relative magnus now returned to vindicate his honor to reinstate himself in the favor of the senate and to be restored to a venerable parent amidst his family to whom he introduced a fresh branch in a youth of seven years old the child of his misfortunes who born in trouble and a stranger to domestic endearments was at one moment united to a beloved circle of relations i shall give a rapid view of some of the pictures of this venetian nobleman's life the whole series has been elaborately drawn up by the duke de la valerie the celebrated book collector who dwells on the detail with the curiosity of an amateur footnote the duke's description is not to be found as might be expected in his own valued catalogue but was a contribution to gagnats i i sixteen where it occupies fourteen pages this singular work sold at gagnant's sale for nine hundred and two livres it was then the golden age of literary curiosity when the rarest things were not ruinous and that price was even then considered extraordinary though the work was an unique it must consist of about a hundred and eighty subjects by italian artists and note in a rich frontispiece a christ is expiring on the cross religion leaning on a column contemplates a divinity and hope is not distant from her the genealogical tree of the house of magnus with an allegorical representation of venice its nobility power and riches the arms of magnus in which is inserted a view of the holy sculpture of jerusalem of which he was made a knight his portrait with a latin inscription i have passed through arms and the enemy amidst fire and water and the lord conducted me to a safe asylum in the year of grace fifteen seventy one the portrait of his son aged seven years finished with the greatest beauty and supposed to have come from the hand of paul verones it bears this inscription overcome by violence and artifice almost dead before his birth his mother was at length delivered of him full of life with all the loveliness of infancy under the divine protection his birth was happy and his life with greater happiness shall be closed with good fortune 
a plan of the isle of cyprus where magnus commanded and his first misfortune happened his slavery by the turks the painter has expressed this by an emblem of a tree shaken by the winds and scathed by the lightning but from the trunk issues a beautiful green branch shining in a brilliant sun with this device from this fallen trunk springs a branch full of vigor the missions of magnus to raise troops in the province of la puglia in one of these magnus is seen returning to venice his final departure a thunderbolt is viewed falling on his vessel his passage by corfu and zante and his arrival at candia his travels to egypt the centre figure represents this province raising its right hand extended towards a palm tree and the left leaning on a pyramid inscribed celebrated throughout the world for her wonders the smaller pictures are the entrance of magnus into the port of alexandria rosetta with a caravan of turks and different nations the city of grand cairo exterior and interior with views of other places and finally his return to venice his journey to rome the centre figure an armed palace seated on trophies the tiber beneath her feet a globe in her hands inscribed quod rerum victrix ac domina besides she is the conqueress and mistress of the world the ten small pictures are views of the cities in the pope's dominion his first audience at the conclave forms a pleasing and fine composition his travels into syria the principal figure is a female emblematical of that fine country she is seated in the midst of a gay orchard and embraces a bundle of roses inscribed mundi delicate the delight of the universe the small compartments are views of towns and ports and the spot where magnus collected his fleet his pilgrimage to jerusalem where he was made a knight of the holy sceptre the principal figure represents devotion inscribed dulcet it is she who conducts me the compartments exhibit a variety of objects with a correctness of drawing which is described as belonging to the class and partaking of the charms of the pencil of claude lorraine his vessel is first viewed in the roadstead at venice beat by a storm arrives at zante to refresh enters the port of simso there having landed he and his companions are proceeding to the town on asses for christians were not permitted to travel in turkey on horses in the church at jerusalem the bishop in his pontifical habit receives him as a knight of the holy sceptre arraying him in the armor of godfrey of bullion and placing his sword in the hands of magnus his arrival at bethlehem to see the cradle of the lord and his return by jaffa with his companions in the dress of pilgrims the groups are finely contrasted 
with the Turks mingling amongst them. The taking of the city of Fagmusta and his slavery. The middle figure with a dog at its feet represents fidelity, the character of Magnus, who ever preferred it to his life or his freedom, inscribed Captivate. She has reduced me to slavery. Six smaller pictures exhibit the different points on the island of Cyprus where the Turks effected their descents. Magnus retreating to Fagmagusta, which he long defended, and where his cousin, a skillful engineer, was killed. The Turks compelled to raise the siege, but return with greater forces. The sacking of the town and the palace where Magnus was taken. One picture exhibits he brought before a bagshaw, who has him stripped, to judge of his strength and fix his price, when, after examination, he is sent among other slaves. He is seen bound and tied up among his companions in misfortune. Again he is forced to labor, and carries a cask of water on his shoulders. In another picture his master, finding him weak of body, conducts him to a slave merchant to sell him. In another we see him leading an ass loaded with packages. His new master, finding him loitering on his way, showers his blows on him, while a soldier is seen purloining one of the packages from the ass. Another exhibits Magnus sinking with fatigue on the sands, while his master would raise him up by an up unsparing use of the bastinado. The very details of these little paintings are pleasingly executed. The close of his slavery, the middle figure kneeling to heaven, and a light breaking from it inscribed, He breaks my chains, to express the confidence of Magnus. The Turks are seen landing with their pillage and their slaves. In one of the pictures are seen two ships on fire, a young lady of Cyprus preferring death to the loss of her honor and the miseries of slavery, determined to set fire to the vessel in which she was carried. She succeeded, and the flames communicated to another. His return to Venice the painter for his principal figure has chosen a palace with a helmet on her head, the aegis on one arm and her lance in the other, to describe the courage with which Magnus had supported his misfortunes, inscribed Reduce it, she brings me back. In the last of the compartments he is seen at the custom house in Venice, he enters the house of his father. The old man hastens to meet him and embraces him. One page is filled by a single picture, which represents the Senate of Venice, with the doge on his throne. Magnus presents an account of his different employments, and holds in his hand a scroll on which is written, Quod commissisti perfecti, Quod restat agedum, par feed complicar. I have done what you committed to my care, 
and I will perform with the same fidelity which remains to be done. He is received by the Senate with the most distinguished honors, and is not only justified, but praised and honored. The most magnificent of these paintings is the one attributed to Paul Verance. It is described by the Duc de la Vallière as almost unparalleled for its richness, its elegance, and its brilliancy. It is inscribed Pater Mousse Effratier Me Delirinquent Me, Dominus Autum Assumpsit Me. My father and my brothers abandoned me, but the Lord took me under his protection. This is an allusion to the accusation raised against him in the open Senate when the Turks took the Isle of Cyprus, and his family wanted either the confidence or the courage to defend Magnus. In the front of this large picture, Magnus leading his son by the hand conducts him to be reconciled with his brothers and sisters-in-law, who are on the opposite side. His hands hold the scroll, Vo contasilis de me malum, sed deus converti ild il bonum. You thought ill of me, but the Lord has turned it to good. In this he alludes to the satisfaction he has given the Senate, and to the honors they had decreed him. Another scene is introduced, where Magnus appears in a magnificent hall, at a table in the midst of all his family, with whom a general reconciliation has taken place. On his left hand are gardens opening with an enchanting effect, and magnificently ornamented, with the villa of his father, on which flowers and wreaths seem dropping on the roof, as if from heaven. In the perspective, the landscape probably represents the rural neighborhood of Magnus' early days. Such are the most interesting incidents which I have selected from the copious description of the Duc de la Vallée. The idea of this production is new, an autobiography in a series of remarkable scenes, painted under the eye of the describer of them in which, too, he has preserved all the fullness of his feelings and his minutest recollections, but the novelty becomes interesting from the character of the noble Magnus, and the romantic fancy which inspired this elaborate and costly curiosity. It was not, indeed, without some trouble that I have drawn up this little account but while thus employed I seem to be composing a very uncommon romance. End of section 15 Recording by Linda Marie Nielsen, Vancouver, B.C.